a year ago, I don't know if we win that game. You know, I don't know if we were mature enough as a team, if we had the culture to, to persevere, uh, to have the poise and composure uh, in the face of adversity like we had it. Um, I thought, you know, our guys, they're sure there was a level of frustration that the game didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Um, but in the end, we had to make plays in critical moments. It's hard, really, really hard. Another three-game losing streak snapped the Texas Longhorns, this time beating Iowa State for the first time since 2018 in a come-from-behind 24-21 victory. Texas has now won three straight and turned their eyes to Oklahoma State this week. A one-episode for you this week, Cameron Parker, alongside Wes Scott Eberts. We'll get into... Uh, a little recap from Iowa State this past week, a little preview of Oklahoma State, and then a buy or sell segment on this Texas team. But, but first, Wes Scott, um, a really big victory for Texas and something that Steve Sarkeesian brought out. Wasn't sure if this team last year would have ended up winning this game this past Saturday. Yeah, I don't think that uh, Texas would have won that game last year. Uh, culture building win for Texas, for sure. Um, as Sark mentioned in his postgame press conference, didn't think Texas uh, played their best football. Uh, certainly, you know, some of the defensive issues that uh, were apparent against Texas Tech uh, came up again. Um, you know, some real issues getting off the field on third down, especially in third and long situations uh, for the Texas defense in that game. And uh, the offense uh, kind of came back to earth a little bit. Uh, Quinn Ewers, 172 passing yards, didn't have an interception, uh, but, you know, the passing game just wasn't quite, you know, as dynamic as it has been um, at times uh, since, you know, he's returned um, from his injury um, against Oklahoma. But, you know, I think a, a little bit of growing pains there, but uh, Texas really able to uh, lean on Ohio, uh, Iowa State late in that game. A lot of rushes on that last drive. Uh, that took 6.15, the uh, last scoring drive, uh, took 6.15 off the clock, uh, really limited the amount of time that, that Iowa State had uh, to try to tie the game or take the lead. And then uh, being able to run the ball to close out the game after the fumble forced by Anthony Cook and recovered by Jalen Ford. A uh, big moment for the Longhorns as well. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, Cyclone fans extremely upset uh, about that play. They thought that uh, targeting should have been called on it. I thought Anthony Cook, um, you know, hit Decker with his shoulder, didn't make contact with his helmet. Certainly Matt Campbell, extremely upset. But, um, you know, if Iowa State fans want want to put a point to one reason, um, you know, why they lost late, Xavier Hutchinson was wide open, should have had the go-ahead touchdown, decided to leave his feet, uh, trying to make a diving catch. It looked like if he had just uh, tried to run run through that ball, he would have, uh, you know, made another huge play. So uh, the impressive performance by Hutchinson, 10 catches, 154 yards on 13 targets. Uh, but that uh, that big mistake really cost the Cyclones and, uh, you know, gave, uh, gave Texas a chance to force that fumble and uh, win the game. Yeah, I think it's the first 100-yard opposing receiver Texas has allowed since the Texas Tech game last year. Hutchinson, over 100 yards. But some of that, I think, uh, has to do with Ryan Watts being injured. We saw a lot of Austin Jordan. Um, we saw a lot of Terrence Brooks, actually, the, the true freshman who was a part of a few big plays uh, on defense. And we'll get into some of the, some of the issues there, Westcott. But you, you brought up that, that final drive 
for Texas. I think this is uh, a really great called game by Steve Sarkeesian, especially in, in that second half and on that drive. Final drive started at 10.55 left to go in the fourth quarter. Your defense had been on the field for basically that entire third quarter. Um, you had a big punt following a Casey Kane drop on, on first down that would have put Texas in great field position. Your defense is gassed. You're trailing by four points for the first time in this game. It feels like you're slipping, losing this game, uh, another 2021 type of loss. And Sark, instead of – he noticed yours his struggles – previous i think before that drive west scott i believe he was two uh he was in a spell of two completions out of eight passes so he was having a couple issues he had three straight incompletions including that cane drop and sarcos with six straight runs to start that drive six straight runs including i believe it was a Bijan. Bijan had a really big run and then he threw a screen pass to Bijan. Three more runs uh, from the goal line and then kept it off that fourth and goal pass. So I think uh, really great presence of mind for Sark to realize what was working, what was not working. And something that we talked about for two years now is the adjustments. And it seemed like Sark finally adjusted there. Yeah, uh, Texas, you know, certainly as we've discussed at length here, it's had issues uh, winning these type of games, especially uh, when they've had any, any type of lead in the second half. And, uh, you know, pretty warm day in, in Austin on Saturday. Um, you know, kind of up up around 90 or so, a little bit warmer down on that field. I'm not sure if um, Iowa State was really ready for that at the end of the game, but, you know, to, to see Texas really be able to dominate the line of scrimmage late in that game, uh, fantastic running uh, from B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, uh, running hard, making guys miss, running guys over, powering through arm tackles when necessary. Uh, just a, a huge performance by the Texas running backs and, um, you know, I thought they really showed their their versatility in this game as well. Uh, Keelan Robinson early in the game with a big uh, pump block. Unfortunately, Texas offense wasn't able to take advantage of that. But uh, Roshan Johnson had a big tackle on special teams. Uh, Bijan Robinson had a huge catch over the middle in the first half that helped set up a touchdown. Uh, and then just doing what they do uh, in the running game as well. Uh, that group really showed off why they're um, you know, I think the best running back room in the country, and uh, it's more so than uh, just when they're handed the football. 135 yards for Bijan. The, the last drive, watching it, he, he, had, he had two carries back-to-back. -back. One was for three yards. I think one was for four yards. And I swore they were like nine-yard gains. And we talk about it all the time, but he makes a three-yard routine run look incredible. Yeah, and I, I think um, – you know, that's an area of growth for the Texas offensive line and just being able to clean up some of those plays and, and keep, you know, Bijan from being hit so consistently behind or near the line of scrimmage. Uh, but no doubt about that. He's, uh, you know, done really incredible work being able to keep Texas, uh, if not always ahead of the chains, but uh, just from, you know, having some of those negative plays that opponents would be able to inflict on lesser running backs who aren't able to make guys miss consistently like he can. And do you think it was Kelvin Banks' best game? I think PFF graded him 80.8, uh, the highest. But looking back on tape, it looked like he had a few just crushing blocks and possibly his best game of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, no question. Uh, Kelvin Banks continues to, to improve and, and play at a high level. I think, you know, just he's so natural with his – uh, kick set and, and pass protection that he's been able to hold up extremely well all year um, in that area of the game. But, you know, I think really, you know, as we 
saw against Oklahoma, you know, that feistiness kind of coming out of him. Uh, I think he's starting to improve it in the running game and, and really being able to move some people. So uh, that that's heartening to see. And, um, you know, one thing to note next to him, you know, Hayden Connor was down on the field a little bit. Uh, he's been dealing with a stinger. Um, you know, it sounded like that's been kind of a consistent issue for him. So, you know, that could kind of explain a little bit, you know, of the inconsistency there from, from Connor playing uh, next to Kelvin Banks. But, you know, especially with that finish, uh, you know, to the game, you know, the, the Texas offensive line isn't where they'll be, hopefully, you know, at the end of the season, if guys can stay healthy and, and keep on improving. But, uh, you know, Kelvin Banks really leading the way in, in some of that, um, you know, hardening improvement from that group under Kyle Flood. And it gives us more confidence, I think, seeing that each week defensive line is improving little by little. You mentioned Hayden Connor didn't have his best game, maybe dealing with some or he is dealing with a stinger injury. Uh, he had that hold on, I believe it was a, a Quinn Ewers completion down the field to want to say Whittington might have been to Tavian Sanders that was wiped back because of a hold. Um, but it, they are getting better and better. And that's something that last year, I don't think Texas really saw out of anyone on the offensive line except for maybe Tope Yamate. Yeah, I think, um, you know, some of those more experienced players. Um, you know, didn't really have a lot of upside to tap into with uh, Christian Jones struggling. So um, I think this group, um, you know, Jake Majors, I think is kind of steadily getting better, uh, being able to hold up, especially against uh, bigger players lined up over top of him. Um, and then, you know, so much upside to unlock uh, for the young guys as well as they uh, kind of clean things up in there. 191 total rushing yards for Texas on Saturday. Iowa State's average 105 after this week. So rush for nearly a hundred yards more than they give up, which is it's a great sign for this Texas offense and being able to rely on the ground game to basically win that game. And then one of the biggest plays of the game, of course, was the, the third, third and short, the close out the game, uh, a culture play that Jordan Whittington talked about. Roshan Johnson was tackled behind a line of scrimmage and Jay Witt basically tackled him across the first down line to, to seal the game and allow Texas to go in the victory formation. Yeah, another impressive moment. Uh, Jordan Whittington, you know, when he he doesn't have the football in his hands, uh, you know, nice to see him uh, get his first touchdown catch. He's been planning for a long time. Um, his celebration with Bevo. Apparently he has uh, some type of connection with the big guy likes to go down and, and talk to him before the game. But, um, you know, Whittington, you could just see the the joy and excitement uh, getting that first touchdown of the season. Uh, he's worked hard for it. And, uh, you know, that's great to see Sark talked about it, you know, on Monday, that's kind of, uh, you know, how he wants to see all of his players play just with the, the love of the game. And, um, you know, Whittington, of course, is, is very familiar uh, with how quickly it can get taken away from him. And, you know, again, like last two years, uh, been hurt in the Oklahoma game. So, you know, for him to make it uh, this deep into the season while still staying healthy is uh, really something new for him. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's a few more touchdowns in this season um, for Whittington. Ran a nice route on that uh, on that slant there to score that short touchdown. And a great throw, too, from yours. I don't think the camera angle does it justice. Westcott, I mean, that was that was like a Patrick Mahomes type side throw, the way you got that ball in there. 
Yeah, uh, you know, we talked about it. One of the things that really makes uh, yours special is his ability to get the ball out quickly from different arm angles, whatever arm slot is necessary, uh, whether or not he's he's uh, on platform or off platform, uh, doesn't need to have his feet set to deliver those throws. And, you know, another kind of underrated throw that, you know, may look easy was uh, the fourth and three to, to win the game there at the end on that mm-hmm. uh, wonderfully run uh, whip route by uh, Xavier Worthy uh, coming inside, then breaking back outside with just tremendous quickness and change of direction. And, you know, yours calmly just uh, delivered it right in there. And, um, you know, certainly the type of throw that, you know, not every, uh, you know, offensive coordinator and uh, quarterback coach around the country can, you know, count on their quarterback to make. So, um, you know, not not the splashiest performance uh, from Quinn Ewers. Uh, did have the big mistake early in the game where he's trying to throw a screenplay away and ended up throwing it backwards. Uh, <laughs> had the presence of mind to to go fall on that football, but, you know, kind of a, took a hit to the Texas running game with that 14-yard loss. But, um, you know, in some important moments, Ewers delivered and, um, you know, managed to avoid the turnover on that play and for the rest of the game as well. Thankfully, he jumped on it because if not, that would have put Iowa State in Texas territory, but it also would have, you know, been kind of like a Max Duggan where he threw the, inter- was it the Iowa State where he threw the, the interception directly to the DB behind the line of scrimmage for possibly the easiest pick six in football history? You know what a play I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do remember that. Uh, so, you know, fortunate. A little bit fortunate for viewers there, and um, I think we'll have a, a little bit better matchup against uh, this Oklahoma State defense this week. Looking at Iowa State's defense, um, up to ninth in defensive efficiency right now, and I'm trying to find their their ESPN SP Plus ranking, um, but they're they're top the 14th, so a, a top 10, top 15 defense uh, metrically. So for those Texas fans who you know were upset with how the offense played and how Quinn played. I mean, I don't think Quinn yours has ever faced a flyover defense in his entire life up to this point. Probably it's a really good Iowa state defense. I know they've lost four straight games in a row, but I don't think that there was their record is indicative of how good this Iowa state team really is. No, uh, you know, they lost to Baylor by, uh, was it seven or eight points uh, closer losses after that to Kansas um, was it Kansas state and the, and Texas as, as well. So um you know, some real, real heartbreaking defeats um, for Iowa State. I think, in, you know, in the margins are um, not quite as good, you know, as they were when they had uh, a little bit more experience, especially, you know, more depth at, at wide receiver, uh, better play, you know, at the running back position. Uh, but still, you know, I definitely don't think, uh, you know, yours has faced that, you know, type of defense unless somebody in the high school ranks and, you know, North Texas adopted it. You know, shortly after John Haycock put that in, but I, I would think that yours hasn't seen that before and, and really, you know, a unique look that gives offenses a lot of trouble. Last three losses for Iowa State, three points to Texas, one point to Kansas State, and three points to Kansas, and then a court seven-point loss to Baylor. So all four losses, um, one-score games. Defensively for Texas, I want to give some love to start off with a Texas run defense. 74 yards allowed by Iowa State. yards per carry. Three of those, three of the biggest runs were from Hunter Deckers, including that 11-yard, lose 11-yard touchdown run on on third and goal. But if you take away the the 26 yards or so that he had 
they only had 48 rushing yards and that's less than, than two yards per carry. And I think it was one of the best defensive line games from Texas. Maybe you can point to Alabama. Moro Ojimo had an incredible game. I thought Alfred Collins had his best game of the year. He had that big play on third on second down that eventually led to Jalen Ford's interception following that overall, I thought it was just an incredible game. Then Jalen Ford, again, leading, leading the team in tackles. I thought just another outstanding game for the linebacker. Yeah, not a lot of negative plays inflicted by Texas. Only three tackles for loss in the game. Um, only broke up one pass. Didn't have a single quarterback hurry. Uh, Jalen Ford came up with the big interception. Uh, Iowa State was driving after Texas had a turnover on downs. Went for a big shot play to Casey Kane. Uh, the Quinn Ewers missed on, on fourth and three. Um, but Jalen Ford came up with a huge play. Uh, getting underneath the throw by Deckers uh, deep into the Texas red zone. First interception of his career. Uh, really fantastic play. Texas uh, was in danger of, of going down 14 nothing in that situation uh, against that Iowa State defense. That's not a situation uh, that you want to be in. And um, you know, I'm not sure how much a touchdown uh, would have swung the win probability uh, just on that play. But I know the interception uh, was about a 12 percentage point swing. Uh, so, you know, it may have been worth compared to a touchdown about uh, 25 percentage points in win probability for Texas um, on that play. Um, you know, I think being able to make uh, Iowa State one-dimensional by taking away the run game was one of the things that they did do very successfully. Uh, but then, you know, some some real struggles uh, with Ryan Watts out of the game. He had seven tackles, five solo before he went out. He uh, suffered a, a stinger in his left shoulder. Uh, he was back at practice on Monday. Uh, and that's fortunate for Texas because they they really need him in coverage. Uh, they really need him with uh, with his physicality on the perimeter. Um, and Austin Jordan and um, uh, Terrence Brook, uh, just kind of a rough day for those freshmen. Uh, Jordan got beat, you know, on the on the long touchdown pass that that Iowa State had. Uh, that was a 54 yarder to Jalen Knoll. That's the longest pass play that Texas has given up this season. Uh, but, you know, the big mistake on that play was uh, from Anthony Cook. He's just playing as a single high safety uh, bites on the run fake, something yeah. you can't be doing at the third level. And that took him out of position uh, to be able to provide the help that uh, that Jordan needed on that uh, inside breaking route uh, that Noel had on, on that big play. But uh, Cook as well was able to, to bounce back uh, later in the game, force that fumble. As we mentioned, uh, nice heads up play by Jalen Ford uh, to recover it. And so, you know, I think from a, a, a coaching perspective, um, kind of, kind of love games like this because you're able to come out with a win. Um, it demonstrates where your culture is at, uh, but there's also uh, plenty of stuff to coach uh, these Texas players hard on on both sides of the ball this week. So I talked about the run defense, thought it was a great game, but getting the Hunter Deckers only one sack for an Iowa State team that gave up five sacks, I think the week before. Uh, what did you see on tape from the Texas D-line that – seemingly didn't get to an Iowa State quarterback that has had issues on the offensive line the entire season. Yeah, uh, no quarterback hurries in the game. I think guys just have to do a better job, you know, being able to win their their individual battles. And, you know, in the way that those things are, are tied into the back end, 
uh, like we've talked about since last season, big talking point uh, during the offseason is, is playing, you know, stickier coverage, making the quarterback be able to hold the ball a little bit longer, especially, you know, in third down and long situations. Uh, Texas has to do a better job of that. And, um, you know, it, it certainly wasn't all about Ryan Watts uh, being out of the game. But, you know, again, that's, uh, you know, the group just needs to to play a little bit better. It seems like when, you know, te- the Texas defense is running into issues, they're doing a good job uh, with their defensive front. Uh, they're fitting their runs a lot better. They're not having those uh, get to the third level very consistently. And so really, uh, you know, the pass defense is an area for big improvement for Texas, and they just need got more guys. Um, you know, around the football and, and being able to make plays on on balls than they've been, um, you know, getting um, in some of these games. And you could, you know, really see how the lack of death from the Texas secondary after Watts went in. Something we saw in the Alabama fourth quarter when, when Bryce Young finally got going. A lot of it was when Austin Jordan and Jameer Johnson were in the game. There was a couple of drives where there was no Deshaun Jameson, there's no Deshaun or no Ryan Watts. And DJ was in there for this game, but Watts went out. We saw Terrence Brooks a lot in this game. He gave up two big third down plays, and then we saw a lot of Austin Jordan. Of course, he was in coverage on the touchdown over the middle. That wasn't necessarily all on him. We talked about Anthony Cook, but when when Ryan Watts or Deshaun Jameson go out, there's not a lot of depth on this team. Not a lot, not even a lot of like you know seniors or juniors who may not be the best players, but they still understand the scheme. I mean, if you go down and look at the depth chart, it's just freshmen, freshmen, true freshmen, or just even a freshman. And besides, besides Watts or Deshaun Jameson, I mean, there's Jameer Johnson who's a sophomore, and then Ishmael Ibrahim who's technically a redshirt freshman, but he's had his own legal troubles too. So lack of depth is a little concerning for Texas, but that's something that we, we knew going into the season, the secondary. Yeah. Um, Texas moved uh, Jade Barron over to uh, the cornerback position where he played for his first two years on that final drive by Iowa state. I'm not sure who busted um, that, that Hutchins Hutchins uh, throw uh, intended for Hutchinson. Uh, that he wasn't able to come up with, um, you know, that's something that Texas may have to use more frequently uh, to allow some time for Jordan and, and Brooks to develop uh, something else. They may also want to consider, uh, especially during the open day, uh, maybe giving Keaton Crawford some reps back at cornerback. Uh, he's been at safety, uh, made that transition, wasn't able to beat out Jaron Thompson. Uh, Thompson is a guy who's able to uh, soak up a lot of snaps back there. They've been playing Michael Taff at that position as well. Uh, so a couple guys uh, who are either at nickel or at the safety position uh, that I think Texas uh, could look to getting some more reps at, at cornerback uh, just to try to shore up, up depth there in case uh, Watts or, or Jamison uh, have to go out at any point during this uh, final run of the season. It looked like Crawford um, was the one who got beat on that Jalen Noel touchdown. I think it was, I forget what point in the game it was, but he was in coverage, left Noel wide open. I think that was the, the first Iowa State touchdown. Uh-huh. And then Jalen Gilball as well. He was also in there, just a freshman. So a, a really young secondary for this Texas team. Um, big game against Oklahoma State this week before. Or actually, we can go ahead and just dive into that one, unless you had any more thoughts from Iowa State. Um, Texas needs Daniel Treo to play better at punter. Oh, my goodness. He had consecutive 31-yard punts in that game that really – uh, contributed to to losing field position at, at an important point of the game. 
uh, only averaged 35.7 yards on, on his three punts total. Um, did have a long of 45, but he's just got to be a little bit more consistent striking the football or uh, Texas really needs to think about, um, you know, seeing if, if Isaac Pearson is a little bit uh, more consistent just on, on getting, you know, that length on his punts. Trejo is 97th out of a hundred qualifying punters per team rankings in yards per punt. And he's at about 40, 42. He's at 42 on the dot. And Isaac Pearson's been on campus for two years now. I, mean, I know he was pretty raw going in the last year, but you think after, you know, at least a, a year, year and a half now, you'd be able to see something out of him. I know he had his, his issues with handling the football in, was it the, the first game against, Louisiana Monroe with the, the fumbled field goal attempt that brought Hudson Card in as basically the holder. And then he also fumbled a punt as well. But I'm, I'm surprised Sark hasn't turned to Pearson a little bit. Hopefully we'd like to see him get, you know, you know, some reps eventually, but also the next, you know, for the next five games are against four of the best teams in the big 12. Yeah. However it happens, uh, Texas needs to, Texas needs to get better at that uh, position quickly. And Bert Auburn also another miss. Are you concerned at all with special with Bert Auburn at kicker, or is it just going to be a college kicker is going to miss a kick every now and then? Yeah, two consecutive misses uh, for him going back to the um, you know the Oklahoma game that that late effort that he had that could have put Texas over fifty points. Um, did come back and make one from thirty one. Uh, still a little bit early. You know those are the only two misses that he's had this season that were really on him, but um, you know, something to track in terms of his consistency uh, going into this Oklahoma state game where, you know, Texas may need to call on him, um, you know, to hit uh, a big kick under pressure uh, so far, um, you know, he was able to do that in the Texas tech game on the road. He was able to do that at home um, against Alabama. So um, in those big situations, um, he's been able to come through, uh, but uh, definitely looking for, you know, how his consistency shapes up over the next few weeks. So Texas now faces Oklahoma State on Saturday, 2.30 kick in Stillwater. I think Texas dodged a bullet not having to play a night game. Oklahoma State coming off their first loss of the year to TCU in, in double overtime. And Spencer Sanders, the quarterback, may have been banged up in that game, dealing with a shoulder injury. Mike Gundy talked about on Monday. He doesn't want to talk about the injuries at all with the media this week. Sanders 16 for 33 in that loss against TCU. Yeah, 16 for 36, actually. 36, excuse me. Yeah, did did throw an interception. Uh, he's been struggling with his accuracy in the last two games. I think at some point um, in the Kansas game, he hurt his shoulder. Uh, throwing shoulder, right throwing shoulder. Uh, he's been under 50% completion percentage in those games. Um, you know, kind of interesting. Some some throws, it looks like, um, you know, he has pretty typical velocity. Some throws, um, he doesn't. So I, I, I imagine that, you know, he's trying to battle through a fair amount of pain. Um, I would expect him to, to be able to play again. Uh, but, you know, one thing for Texas with Sanders, even if uh, he's a little bit more inaccurate than normal, you know, maybe if he can't always drive the football the way that he would like to 11 carries for 68 yards, two touchdowns against TCU, including a 29 yard touchdown run. Uh, so his feet are going to be particularly dangerous for Texas, uh, whether it's called runs, uh, whether it's uh, scrambling uh, to be able to pick up yardage with his legs. And uh, that's going to be critical um, for Oklahoma state, because frankly, they're not very good in the running game right now, uh, even with the contributions of Sanders. 
Yeah, that's an issue, I think, for Texas is defending the quarterback run. I mentioned how good they were against the, the run game overall, but two, three of the biggest runs for Iowa State were either it was the two read options that Hunter Decker scored on or didn't score on the two read options, and then the one he did score on, which was a designed pass play, but it looked like DeFondre Sweat uh, kind of pursued from the, from the wrong side, allowing the middle to open up. And we saw the big runs that, you know, Bryce had, Bryce Young had, of course, the, the third down, the missed holding call, um, the missed Ryan Watts sack, and then a few other big runs. Donovan Smith had a couple. So are you, are you concerned with uh, this Texas run defense and how it, it defends um, defends the quarterback run? Yeah, certainly uh, cause for concern with what's happened with Texas this year. Always cause for concern with a quarterback as athletic as Sanders places a huge premium, um, you know, when they drop back to pass, uh, whether it's play action passes or straight dropbacks, uh, those defensive linemen who played so well for Texas have to be incredibly disciplined in their pass rush lanes, not getting out of them and allowing Sanders uh, easy ways to escape, especially um, really up the middle um, is the most dangerous way. So, you know, especially those interior guys, Keandre Coburn, Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, those are the guys who really need to be disciplined. Um, you know, I think the other thing too, that, uh, you know, Texas may have to play a lot of zone defense. Uh, they're probably not going to want to have guys, uh, everybody turning and running uh, with Oklahoma state uh, eligible receivers. Uh, that's very dangerous against a quarterback with the running ability of Spencer Sanders. Uh, so, you know, the ability of Texas to play zone defense um, against a, a solid group of Oklahoma state uh, wide receivers. I don't think they really have any, you know, stars in that group like Tylen Wallace or going back even farther, you know, Des Bryant or, or Justin Blackman, uh, James Washington, even. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that group, maybe not as, as dangerous as, as some other groups um, out there in the big 12. Uh, but, you know, Texas will, will really have to think hard about, um, you know, whether they can play consistent enough zone defense um, against Oklahoma state, or if they want to uh, take some risks with Spencer Sanders getting loose for big plays that they decide to play more man. So offensively, they don't rank very high in, in any category when it comes on the metrics. I mean, offensive yards per play, they're 69th in the country, um, points per drive, 29th, which is one of their, their best metrics. I think ESPN S&P Plus has them at 16th. But looking at the points they scored, Westcott, 40 last week to TCU in the loss, 41 against Texas Tech, 36 at Baylor, 63 against Arkansas Pine Bluff, 34 against Arizona State, and then 58 against Central Michigan. So what have you seen from this Oklahoma State offense? Is it as explosive as the the points per game look? Yeah, um, I'm not really – I'm not sure if that's, uh, you know, really the case, you know, for Oklahoma State. I, I think they've done an excellent job managing, you know, to find ways to be able to put uh, points on the board. They're uh, tied for 52nd in 10-plus yard plays. Um, you know, uh, let's see where they're, um, they do have, they do have nine plays of 40 plus yards. So they have been able to find, 
um, you know, some, some explosiveness kind of um, in the middle ranges. I think, you know, they'll definitely, like most teams, they'll try to take shot plays. I think they do a good job of, um, you know, being able to run some trick plays. Um, you know, at various times they did that early against TCU where they uh, ran a kind of, it was like a, it was a reverse flea flicker. So the running back tossed it to a wide receiver who tossed it to Sanders, who was able to find a tight, one of their cow, a tight end, one of their cowboy backs um, down the field. So, you know, I think they do a good job of scheming some of that stuff up. I think, you know, a fair amount of that probably comes from Mike Gundy as an offensive man, uh, mind, but some questions about, um, you know, their offensive coordinator over the last couple of years since uh, Mike Yurcich left. Uh, but I think he's done, you know, a pretty solid job or at least the entire, you know, Oklahoma state brain trust um, has done a good job producing some of those kind of uh, mid range um, ex explosive plays. And, you know, Texas, especially, you know, with Oklahoma state, you know, playing at home and, and wanting to be able to swing momentum in some key moments uh, there, there's probably going to be at least one or two trick plays that they're going to have to defend. So Texas needs to be really disciplined defensively in those situations. How hurt do you think Spencer Sanders really is from what you've seen on tape? I think it's hard to say. I think he's a really tough kid and he's battling through it right now. And Doing I think more. it's, I mean, it, it, it must be, it must be painful for him, but um, you know, he's doing a good job of, of getting everything out of his arm, you know, that he can right now for uh, whatever shape it's in. Apparently, you know, bad enough that he wasn't able to practice last week. And, you know, I wouldn't think that he's going to be doing a lot of practicing this week either. I believe their backup is Garrett Rangel. Um, not sure too much about him. Gunnar Gundy on the roster, the son of Mike Gundy. Kind of sick if he plays. Uh, Sanders. One and two against Texas. His first one came, of course, last year at DKR. Texas let halftime, I think. Um, Casey Thompson had a brutal pick six in that one. Well, no, in the Oklahoma State offense, before we talk about their defense, just 4% of their drives end in a turnover, Westcott. That's eighth in the country. Yeah, they've done a good job protecting the football, especially their ball security. They only have one lost fumble this year. Uh, Sanders does have four interceptions, but um, he's not quite as erratic as he was um, at times early in his career when he was a little bit more turnover prone and, and not always uh, making very good decisions. So uh, he deserves a lot of credit for uh, his maturity and, and really being able to, to grow into those uh, flashes of potential that uh, he always showed over his first three seasons. So defensively, of course, they lost D.C. Jim Knowles to Ohio State. Um, lost a few key pieces, including Malcolm Rodriguez, a great defensive player, returning seven starters on defense. But it's not a highly ranked defense as we're used to. 39th per ESPN's SP+. Plus. Um, and then per uh, defensive efficiency, I think they ranked 70, or I'm trying to think, I think 33rd, excuse me, in the country. Um, what have you seen from Oklahoma state defense that has given up a lot of explosive plays? Yeah, I think they're really good against the run. Um, TCU averaged 5.2 yards per carry, um, had three touchdowns. They've given up five rushing touchdowns in the last two games, only nine on the season. Uh, so, you know, having a few more issues in the last uh, couple games 
than they really had. But other than that, they've held every other opponent under four yards per carry. Uh, they've been pretty disruptive. They've forced uh, 54 tackles for loss. Uh, Tyler Lacey, uh, defensive end, has eight and a half. Mason Cobb, linebacker, one of those guys uh, replacing Malcolm uh, Rodriguez, uh, seven and a half. Defensive tackle with five and a half. Brock, Brock Martin with five. Colin Oliver with four and a half. Uh, so they're deep on the defensive line. They have a lot of experience at that position. Uh, they have some really talented players. I mean, Colin Oliver is a guy that probably be starting uh, for a lot of teams in the country. So you know, I think they've been getting good play from, from Mason Cobb as well. Um, and his uh, first really um, extended playing time at, at, at Oklahoma state. So, um, you know, they have at least one, one guy who's really contributing well at the second level. Uh, but I think where they're really struggling is just on the back end, uh, being able to get guys to the ground, uh, being able to force turnovers, uh, only four interceptions this year. Uh, I th- believe only, um, I think, f- how many turnovers? Five or five or six for them. Uh, six turnovers gained, sa- same as Texas. Uh, that's down towards the bottom of the country. Uh, so not a lot of playmaking on that back end. Uh, they really lost a, a lot of experience from last year uh, from that group. Um, uh, Colby Harvell Peel, uh, Jarek Bernard uh, Converse, uh, Tanner McAllister decided to transfer. Uh, that's a lot of tackles, a lot, a lot of experience. Uh, so Oklahoma State just uh, not as solid um, in the you know against the pass and on that back end as they have been in recent years. And so I think that really gives Quinn Ewers a chance to have a big performance this weekend. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, kind of the reverse what we saw against Iowa State, where it's going to come down to what yours can do for, on the air versus on the ground uh, and four returning players, returning starters on defense, not, uh, not seven looking at Texas and including losing uh, Colby Harville Peel, who was an incredible cornerback for Oklahoma state. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to do predictions and then we're going to close out with buy or sell. The line is now at six and a half in favor of Texas. I'm sorry, six in favor of Texas on the road at Oklahoma State. What's your prediction for Saturday, Westcott? I think I'm drinking the burnt orange Kool-Aid right now oh. uh, for this Texas team's ability to finally uh, go on the road and get their first uh, true road win uh, since facing TCU last year. Um, you know, I think Texas plays a little bit better than they did last week. I think it'll be easier for them in some really significant ways going against that Oklahoma State defense. Um, I think that Bijan Robinson can do enough on, on the ground, even though uh, that's a good run defense. I think he can make uh, some individual plays that will allow Texas uh, to keep the ball moving. And um, you know, I think that, you know, the shoulder injury after playing, you know, a second, the second week with it, um, I think it's possible that it, it's bothering uh, Spencer Sanders a little bit more after the game than, than it was during that TCU game. Uh, certainly when, you know, some of the talk about his, um, you know, injury situation and, and his shoulder health came out. That was when the line really started moving. Uh, so I think, um, you know, it may be the case that I do very much expect him to play, but I'm not sure if he's going to be able to be as effective as he was against TCU last week, even as he struggled in that game to be able to complete some passes. Texas opened as a three and a half point favorite. on, on they were two and a half, two and a half on DraftKings. Okay, two and a half. And then it's moved up every day. I think I've seen six and six and a half right now for, for what it was at. Um, that's got to be one of the largest favorites for Texas on the road for a team uh, not named Kansas. 
Buy or sell? You ready? Let's go. Okay. Well, let's start off with the third downs that uh, have been a topic of discussion the entire season now. Iowa State was one for five in the first half. Now you can include the two conversions that included a Keandre Coburn offsides and a Deshaun Jameson offsides. The second half got really ugly. Uh, they converted six third downs out of seven attempts. A lot of that was with uh, Terrence Brooks and Jalen Gilbo and no Ryan Watts on the field, Austin Jordan as well. So buying or selling third down conversions are a bad problem right now for this Texas team. I'm going to buy that. It's been an issue even, you know, when Ryan Watts was was healthy and out there. I think, you know, at times, uh, you know, the, the defensive backs have done a good job of, of being sticking coverage and, and being around throws to be able to break up passes, especially in that West Virginia game. Uh, there's also just been too many times where, you know, they haven't been uh, close with their with their zone coverage and, um, you know, playing some, some quarterbacks who have uh, – the ability to really cause damage with their feet. Texas is going to have to play more of it. They're going to have to be better at it. And I think the lack of really, you know, a true uh, pass rusher too. Uh, had some nice moments from Baron Sorrell. Uh, Moro Ojimo, you know, had a nice play um, in that game. I don't know if he got credited for a sack on that play, but I think he got uh, Deckers down in the pocket. Um, but just not not enough, um, you know, individual brilliance off, off the edge or even, you know, from those interior linemen as pass rushers. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the big problems, especially in these third and long situations, is just not impacting the quarterback, not getting them to the ground, or not even forcing them uh, to, uh, to reset in the pocket step up or, or uh, flush out of it opponents are converting 41 percent their third downs against texas 88th in the country and yes ojimo did get credit for the the one only sack on hunter deckers on saturday lack of a third receiver uh troubling westcott by or sell um casey kane Targeted three times in this game. Uh, two were, I think, bad throws from Quinn Ewers, including one where Kane on a shot route was wide open. The throw was was behind his back, couldn't get to it. The second throw might have been a miscommunication. Obviously, he had the big drop, but besides Xavier Worthy and then Jay Witt, he has not really connected with any other receiver. Um, Tariq Milton had one target in this game. We saw we saw Troy Amiri on one possession. I don't know if he has a catch yet this year, but it seems like Quinn Ewers does not have uh, an established chemistry with a third receiver. Is that an issue going forward by herself? I'm going to buy that as an issue. I think, um, you know, the difference between what Texas was expecting to get from Isaiah Nayor and what they're getting from, you know, Casey Thompson, uh, Casey Kane, just, you know, a handful of, um, you know, contributions kind of uh, every once in a while uh, for Texas, not, uh, not consistent contributions. Um, right now, Kane has four catches for 93 yards. Um, he doesn't have a catch in the last three games. 
uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Iowa State hasn't been able to make a catch. Uh, Tariq Milton, the only catch that he has so far this year is in the Texas Tech game. Uh, they haven't gotten very much uh, from Troy Meary, uh, Jai Hall, Savion Red. Uh, not particularly surprising there. Health issues for Amiri, uh, the kind of uh, growth that, that Hall needs to go through from a maturation standpoint and from, you know, improving uh, his route running ability. You know, Red, not a very highly rated guy. Uh, but, you know, Kane was a, Kane's a guy that I think they needed to, to step up. Up and, and get a little bit more from this year with Naor being out. Um, you know, he hasn't done that. And, you know, the, the return of Jaleel Billingsley didn't really play very much last week. I uh, can help that by making Texas a little bit more threatening in the passing game and in their 12 personnel uh, packages. But, um, you know, for as well as the offense has been playing, um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, imagine what they could be doing if Naor was healthy. Is that just because of Nayer's injury and yours not having time to really establish a chemistry with Casey Kane um, in fall camp. But I mean, um, now it's also week, what, seven, week eight. You, you would think he would have at least a little chemistry. Yeah, I think, I think some of it is, you know, that Kane just doesn't, doesn't really have the the skill set that the neighbor has to be able to consistently, you know, create separation. His hands have mostly seemed like they've been reliable in the small, you know, looks that we've gotten, you know, but just a, a really big drop in that, in that Iowa state game from him. Do you think we'll see more of Jai Hall going forward? Cause Hall, I mean, he, he had a huge game against, was it Georgia in the national championship game? Yeah, he also had some drops on that game, so it was pretty inconsistent. Uh, I'm I'm not really expecting a late surge from a Jai Hall. Do you think Kane will stay as one of the starters then? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he'll he'll remain the first, the third, you know, third wide receiver on the field yeah. when they're in eleven personnel. Okay. Next one for you. Saturday's win over Iowa State was a culture win by herself. Yeah, that's a that's a big buy for me. Uh, I think it, you know, it absolutely was, you know, as coaches and, and players were talking about, it's a game, you know, that they lose last season. It's a game that uh, stretching back to the 2009 season. I mean, how many of those other Texas teams uh, would have been able to win that game? Maybe, you know, the 2018 team uh, might have been able to come through with it. Uh, maybe, you know, the 2012 team, you know, was solid. Maybe, you know, maybe Case McCoy would have had some magic in, in 2013. But, um, you know, certainly not very many years when, um, you know, Texas was winning a lot of games like that. And we talked about the Bo, the Bo Davis rant uh, from the after the Iowa State game last year, kind of how Texas has grown with, uh, you know, player leadership, uh, their willingness to be coached hard. Uh, you know, I think, you know, buy in from more players on the team uh, with all the turnover that they had. And, um, you know, I thought all of the signs were pointing to in the positive direction uh, for growth in those areas. And I think uh, Texas really confirmed that in a lot of ways on Saturday. Texas is a top four team in the Big 12 by herself. Yeah, I'll buy that. I think they're, I think probably, I think top four. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma state, TCU, uh, Kansas state, I think without Jalen Daniels, I think in, you know, not a, not a great defense for the Jayhawks right now. I think Texas, I think Texas is better than, than Kansas right now. So I would put them in the top four. So how, how would you, how would you rank them right now? Cause obviously TCU, Oklahoma state and Kansas state 
um, are, are the three. Yeah, I think I would go. I think right now I would go uh, TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas, and then Kansas State. Okay. But that's uh, pretty pretty fluid week by week. Last one for you. You haven't sold yet. Bijan Robinson is the best running back you've seen with your own eyes. In person? Yeah. Well, I mean, person TV. I don't know if you made a trip up to where does Michigan State play to see Kenneth Walker last year? Um, East Lansing. Good Lord. I think uh, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell on that. I'm not sure that he's better than Adrian Peterson. Okay. Yeah. AP is up there. Would you, where would you put Bijan in terms of, of Texas running backs, including Earl Campbell? Because I mentioned earlier his, his catching ability. I mean, besides Jatavian Sanders, he probably has the best hands on the team the the grab he had inside the five yard line wasn't the, the ball was a little bit thrown high from putting yours and taking the hit. And then also it was like a six yard loss with the one handed catch behind his back. Those are just things that, you know, a lot, not a lot of running backs can do. No, definitely not. Um, in terms of the Texas Pantheon, I, you know, he's not on the level of, of Earl and Ricky um, right now. I would put him in that second tier. Uh, you know, with Cedric Benson, Jamal Charles, um, you know, maybe some of the old school guys, um, Steve Worcester, maybe uh, Chris Gilbert. Um, you know, I think I think Bijan is is the best of that group, um, but I'm not quite willing to put him, um, you know, in that pantheon with the with the two Heisman winners in school history. I really hope he ends up in the NFL with a team that has just a halfway decent offensive line just to see what he'll be able to do because obviously we're a little bit biased being able to watch him, but I, I've never really seen a running back like this, obviously at Texas since I would say Jamal Charles. Yeah. And uh, you know, Jamal Charles uh, extremely, extremely fast and elusive, but definitely um, not capable of, of making as many uh, people miss as Bijan. Uh, not as good running through arm tackles and uh, not as powerful finishing runs. So, um, you know, really a, a unique skill, uh, unique skill set for, for Bijan that, that really sets him apart. And, um, you know, maybe with a, a good finish to the season, um, you know, he could kind of be more leaning towards uh, that top group rather than, you um, you know, in there with uh, C. Benz and, and Charles and some of those guys. I'm not 100% sure sports reference is correct, but it looks like Bijan is 14th in total rushing yards at, at Texas football history. 2,600, is that correct? Do you think 2,600 sounds about right? Yeah, that sounds about right off the top of my head. Yeah, so he's tied with Jonathan Gray right now, actually for, for 13th. Um, looks like he's going to pass Eric Metcalf, Hodges Mitchell, Malcolm Brown, and probably Deontay Foreman before the year is over. So he'll finish as a top 10 running back in terms of statistics for Texas. Yeah, I probably should have included Priest Holmes in that Yeah, in that second tier as well. Any other thoughts um, before Saturday's game against Oklahoma State? You still got the mullet in honor of Mike Gundy, of course. Now it's Quinn yours. And Mike Gundy bailed on bailed on the club, man. I've been disappointed with him about that. I, he must have gotten tired of tormenting his sons with it. I mean, Gunner has a mullet too, right? I, I swear I've seen pictures of Gunner Gundy with a mullet. 
I have not seen any of those. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out, see if he's in the brotherhood. I think we also talked about Gunner in last year's podcast. Um, we're probably the only podcast that mentions Gunner Gundy in the, in the nation. Uh, point of preview, that dropping uh, today or Thursday? Yeah, that'll be out on Wednesday. All right. Well, make sure you check out BurnsOrangeNation.com for the preview of Oklahoma State. And, of course, all other content from our team this week. And, of course, the Winning is Hard podcast. Just one episode for you this week, but we dived into everything. And, of course, the Longhorn Republic podcast as well. Like, subscribe, whatever. Just listen and uh, get ready for Saturday's game in Stillwater. Until Monday, cheers, Westcott. Yeah, cheers. Uh, winning's been hard for Texas on the road, and uh, maybe that'll change this weekend. Trying to snap an ugly streak on the road. We'll see you guys on Monday. Winning's hard. Really, really hard.